What's up, everybody? You're listening to the one and only T-Mac-inspired podcast. Listen as she sits down with regular people to discuss the ideas, the ideas, the opportunities, the opportunities, and the wealth-building strategies that they're taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. Ash, what's going on? My boo. If I was your boo, I'd be going with you to Dubai. What you mean you ain't taking me to Dubai? <laughs> hey, Ash, Ash, that's my boo. That's my boo. Girl, let me tell you something. I've been admiring you from afar. Um, we've had a couple conversations, you know, behind the scenes. You've come and spoken to one of my groups before. Um, you know, try to get me and one of my other funding groups. We try to give you some money. You've been running from it, but um, I understand. I understand that you got you got a lot going on. So, what made you want to develop your own subdivision? Um, I'm really big up on legacy. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, I wanted to get into development when I first started investing. Um, but I needed to crawl before I walked <laughs> and I'm glad I took some advice from people that were mentoring me at the time and told me to pretty much get the renovation part down first. Then you transfer over into the new construction and development because I've learned a whole lot, you know, just with doing renovations, um, developed a lot of great relationships because you need those exact same relationships to do new construction. So I'm glad that I took the time out to just learn that part first and then move into doing a subdivision. But it's really about legacy for me. I mean, that's really huge for me. Um, whatever I do, I'm big up on it. I don't like nobody to be out here trashing my last name. <laughs> and that's really important for me. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. Right, right. What made you, wait a minute, let me go back. Before you start, before you became a developer, before you started uh, fixing and flipping and renovating, doing all that in real estate, what were you doing? I was a social worker. And I was, still oh. a, I was a real estate agent. Um, so I was helping clients buy and sell houses. Um, what changed that was I started, well, just getting on social media, realizing that there's a lot of other ways you can make money in real estate. So then you get into the subject two, then you got wholesaling, and then you got renovating. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so there's other ways you can do it. <laughs> and so that's when I started getting into, then of course, finding my niche. Um, I do really well with buyers. Um, I do really well with sellers, but I do way better with investors. So just finding my niche, it took me time over, over year, it took me some years, took about six years for me to find my niche. So when did you decide, okay, I'm done with social work. I'm going to quit and go full-time. What made you, when and what made you decide that? I did not quit until last year. Everybody thought I was in real estate full-time. I was not. I was working as a social worker. <laughs> I mean, I didn't quit. March is, what's this month? This February. March makes a year. I didn't quit until March of last year. I see you. I see you. Uh, okay, so what made you quit? I, I don't know. I think I was just <laughs> being burnt out. Um, that made me quit because I was getting to the point where I was burnt out. I love what I did, though. I really liked the job. It was just, well, I liked the families. The job was hard. 
because you had to be 50 people at one time, all the all the time. Um, the money was not good. Um, I was living okay, but I wasn't living enough to like I was living just enough to make sure bills were paid and I was okay. That was it. Um, what made me quit was at that point I had, I think we had just sold a flip and we had two or three going to, about to finish up. And so that gave me confidence enough to just walk away. And I think at that point too, I had maybe just on a, as a regular transaction as a realtor, I sold over 50 units last year by itself. Mm. So in, in the, at the beginning of the year, I had at least 20 homes on the contract already. So even, of course, you probably don't get to close the table all of them when you expect it to. But I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to at least close over 10 of them. So I'll be okay. So then I was like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> and I, I took the leap and I just got out of it. Now, I know this because I've been following you. And like I said, admiring your work, what you do. I, li- I-, I read all your posts. You be talking trash on your posts. <laughs> you give a lot of free game, though. You give a lot of free game. So one of the things that, one of the things that um, I do admire about you is that you have systems in place, like real systems. It, w- by you having those systems in place, did it make it easier to transition full-time in the real estate? It did. And also having the team. So I don't, I don't do this by myself. Um, I hope don't nobody think I do, because I do not. <laughs> um, so the systems part was huge because I needed to cut all my communication, of course, cannot be all I need to have systems in place to where I'm not over communicating all day long to 50 different people. So the systems help and then having a team. Where did you learn how to build systems and teams? Where did you get that from? My mentor um, is Roshana Scott in Chicago. Um, She helped me. Well, first of all, she helped me figure out the investor side that I was missing early on. Uh, The systems and the processes. A lot of that I gained from just being a realtor. Mm Because you got CRMs. You got drip campaigns. You learn all those things already. Mm-hmm. It looks differently as you're as you're providing those systems to investors, though. And that's why I tell people when I'm looking for off market deals, the MLS is the last place you want to be. Mm-hmm. So now you have to get into learning uh, deal machine, batch driven, uh, Hilo, skip tracing, uploading those documents, and of course. Weeding out what makes sense and what doesn't. I focus on tax delinquent and probate leads only. That's what's big in my market. Tax delinquent because in my market where I'm in, it's not like the bigger cities where they have tax delinquent lists every month. Like in Knoxville, Tennessee, every quarter, you got a long list of tax delinquents. They don't play. They on rotation ready to sell them. Mm. My market, no. You have somebody tax delinquent for 10 years. What? Yeah, they don't, <laughs> they don't enforce it. So what I ended up doing was I built a team around that. Okay, well, if I go ahead and get ahead of that, that's my pitch. You owe taxes on your house. I'll pay them off. Get this burden off of you. You sell me this distressed home. So whatever I offer you is what you're getting. You're not paying no closing costs and I'm paying your taxes for you. Then that way I'm getting what I want because I'm buying them at well below 70% of the after repair value 
they're getting a price, they're getting the house off of them. The city or the county is also getting a tax delinquent house that has been on their books for years off. Mm. So it just works well. Probate leads are coming in because of how long I've been doing it. Now I'm going to court and they're literally, we're doing the estate process sitting with, right there with them and experience capital is on the court order to buy it. And this is simply by now people calling me and saying, hey, I know what you do. My uncle, my grandpa just died. And I even allowed a family to come look at it once it's done um, to see what we did. Mm. So just building that relationship, is, those relationships are really big for me. It's really about just being treating people like human damn beings really pretty much. And then over time, you no longer have a referral. You don't have to worry about leads and systems as much. You still have systems, but you don't have to get out here and chase them. Now you're focusing on a referral base. And that's what you want to get to. Right, right. So basically, you kind of built your business based on saying, hey, here's a problem. Mm -hmm. I've identified the problem in the system. And I'm going to provide the solution. And by you providing the solution, people started in developing those relationships. People started finding out about, okay, this is this is the the the, the problem solver right here. She's the problem solver. So, hey, I got a problem, and I'm gonna, yeah. yeah so you're not really spinning your wheels out here trying to find leads and things like that. Deals just you know come to you, which makes it easier for you to just plug and play. Yes. Pretty much. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. But, you know, the, the basic thing that you got down was you, you were a real estate agent first. So, you know, you understood the importance of having a system. You know, all of that is super important, especially when you want to scale your business. There is yes. nothing worse than not having systems and chasing your tail and thinking you're going to make money. Yeah. And then also, too, um, a lot of my investors are out of the state. Um, I have clients in California who work with me, never been to North Carolina where I'm at, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, uh, New York. So having those systems allow them to track from beginning to end the construction of a project. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They don't have to call me and check and look. Notes are in there. We do our meeting calls Monday at 10, Friday at 10, to debrief throughout the week of what happened with the project or how things are going. Those notes are inputted in the system. You can just get on your app, look right in it, and you know the progress of that particular project identified for you. Um, so again, that's a service, a great customer service for an investor because they know their project and their money is working. Because ultimately, mm -hmm. that's really what investors want to make sure that you're, <laughs> their money is working for them. And you're mm -hmm. doing what you're telling them you're doing. And that's how you build that account that, of course, those relationships then with investors. So they want to keep investing over and over too. So that was a huge piece. Systems is important. Huge, huge. When you were a little girl, did you know that this was what you were going to be doing? No, no. And I ain't going to lie. <laughs> and act like I did, because no, because if you would have told me I was going to get into sales, I'd have been like, you got your damn mind. No, I'm not. Um, so what did you think you were going to do when you were little? What, what did you want to do? Play basketball. That was my biggest goal. Those of, that was my aspiration. To go to WNBA, um, play ball overseas. That was what I thought I was going to be doing. So what, what happened? I was one of those kids where when I was younger, because my, I'm the oldest of seven, mm -hmm. I never traveled. So I had never been to Disney World. I had never, I hadn't been to the beach until I got grown. Mm -hmm. So I had never seen the beach until I was probably in my early 20s. 
I took myself and I was able to pay for it. <laughs> um, so I had never done things like that. Basketball, I traveled and done different things, but I mean, I didn't get to see much. I mean, and then when I did go somewhere, I played ball so much, I was tired by the time, I mean, anything, I couldn't do anything. So when I went out to college, I struggled a lot with being away from my family. It was extremely mm-hmm. hard for me um, because I, I, it was new, it was foreign. I couldn't just call my dad or my mom and you know, tell them to help me or if I can go see my siblings. Um, so it was, it was hard. So I struggled with that. And Where'd I was you go to school? It was Garrett College in Mar- uh, Maryland. Um, I, that's pretty far for somebody who's never been outside of pretty much of their hometown. Well, well, it was Tennessee. Is that where you're from? No, I'm from Charlotte. No, I was born, I was born in Charlotte, raised in Shelby. Shelby's about an hour outside of Charlotte. So I moved to Tennessee because I took a social work position after I got out of college here. So I've only been in Tennessee for about seven years or so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you live in Tennessee and North Carolina? I do. I have two homes. Yeah. I, I go back to my family. Okay. So when I stopped playing basketball, I went, I did go ahead and pursue college. I got, I earned two master's degrees. I moved my family from Shelby to Tennessee to, for my state job here with the state as a social worker. Okay. Well, you know, I adopted my nephew. Well, my, mm-hmm. oh, my cousin, I'm sorry. I adopted my cousin and I moved him here. Well, I also got a divorce last year. So I didn't uproot him and change everything for him because he, I mean, you, I, don't, I don't believe in doing that to children. Um, mm-hmm. Allow them to continue to have what normalcy looks like for them. So he has stayed here with my ex-wife um, and I've left everything here. So we have a house here, we have homes here, and then we have a home and I have a home now in North Carolina too. So I so, travel back and forth. <laughs> so how much time do you spend in each place? What does that look like? I spend more time now in North Carolina than I do in Tennessee. Ah, okay. Because I, I kind of felt like that because yeah. that's where you're developing. That's your my business is, yeah. yeah. You know what I think is dope? Let me tell you what I think is dope. That you named, uh, was it a street or the whole subdivision after your son? The street and the subdivision is named Jennings Estates Lane. We weren't able to name it after the kill because they thought, I think uh, when dispatch, because I, I didn't even realize dispatch 911, how important they are with naming streets. Well, apparently oh. there was a street already named after a kill. So it would have been too close in relation. So we had to change it. Um, so it ended up being Jennings Estates Lane. That's what it is now. Oh. There's apparently a street that's really close to his name in Shelby. And so we couldn't name it that. They wouldn't allow us to. So what, what what's the what's the 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 jazz behind um all the stuff that you have to go through to have your own subdivision? Because you know, like I said, I read it, I read your posts, I try to read in between the lines, you know. What all do you have to go through? Well, first you got to have the land was raw. So whenever I bought it, it was raw. It was not developed. Meaning how'd you get it? How'd you get the land? I bought a house to renovate. Mm-hmm. Um now this is it's probably gonna sound weird, <laughs> but I do a lot of brick ranches. That's my niche house. I don't often see them before I buy them. It's normal for me not to see a house now because I know what to do. I was getting ready to close on it and my attorney called me. He said, AJ, I need you 
to look at this uh, title, this deed for this house. And Harry is my attorney, and I'm like, okay, I'm busy. Like, why the hell do you keep calling me? Like, what is the issue? Close this house like you do any other house. And he was like, I need you to look at it because I'm seeing a lot of land. And I'm like, what is, I don't understand. Like, what are you talking about? So the house came with four acres. Oh. I had no clue. The guy sold me his house for $50,000. Well, he also sold the four acres. Stop. Um, Stop. I'm not joking. Not joking. This is a real situation. Um, so I go look at it because now I'm I'm like, okay, wait. And so Gabrielle and I were both like, okay, AJ, what the hell is going on? And at this point, Christy's like, okay, what is going on? Because it was a trailer on the land. His daughter was living in the trailer on the land. And I think if you remember, I posted was posting about getting the trailer off the land early on. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, I mean, we dealt with the trailer, got it off. It was we, I bought the house, fully renovated the house, sold it for $15,000 more than what I was supposed to sell it for. Oh. In the middle of the renovation process, I told Gabrielle, I said, well, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to subdivide this the land off because it's four acres. I gave the owners that the existing home structure, I gave them point sixty acres for the house. And I and my disclosures in the MLS is all in there. I had already subdivided the current structure from the rest of my land. This is the land you're gonna get. I also had already prepared an easement with my current attorney and I told him, listen, cause I need to be able to get access to my role on the side of their house. So mm -hmm. we're doing all of this in the mix of selling this home we'd already done flipped. Subdivided it off. I'm one lucky ass person. Um, I figured it was going to be on septic and not sewer just because the house was on septic. So I knew it was. Well, years ago, a house had burnt down back there in the back of the, the four acres, and it did have an existing septic system in the back. So we're what? doing, per we did perk testing, which you have to do perk testing. I had to subdivide it first. I subdivided it, parceled it off, meaning my um, surveyor came out and done that. Now, mind you, we're doing this in the mix of selling this existing house. All this is happening. So my surveyor had subdivided it off. We had the uh, county out there doing perk testing to let us know where you can, in fact, put a house. Is that what perk, tell people that don't know what perk testing is. What is perk testing? Perk testing is when they, the county health department comes out, tests the soil to make sure a house is able to be placed on that soil. I know that sounds so weird, but it's true. That's why I tell people all the time, don't you go take your ass out here and buy no land and just buy it because you probably are going to end up with this dirt. Because if, you, if it cannot tap into a sewer line or a water line, that means you're going to have to get a perk test to see if you can even put anything there. And it makes to me doing that, we also got made sure the covenants and restrictions, made sure that whatever I do build there, I can in fact do. Covenants and restrictions are things that are in communities, subdivisions, where it tells you, you can't come in here with a manufactured home. You can't come in here and build a modular home. Or it tells you, you can build a house, but it needs to be over 1,500 square feet, X amount of bedrooms and baths. Well, the septic system tells you, the health department tells you, you can do a three-bedroom, two-bath house, only. Mm. If the covenants and restrictions say that you only allowed to do two and two, guess what? Yes, I. You're gonna have to do a two bedroom, two bath, and that's the way it is. 
And so we got the septic system stuff done. The county issued permits. Um, they also give you your role names. All that stuff is rolled out from the county at that point. Uh -huh. um, and they give you your septic permits to start the initial development of the land. Uh -huh. um, so, of course, at this point, now you're able to get structure engineer stamp drawings, meaning now I can get my plans to build because I know what I can build. I can do three bedrooms. No, I'm sorry. Four bedrooms, two baths. Uh -huh. No more, no less. So you, that's what you got to build. And it had to be on a crawl space. So you can't do a slab. If you're in building, you know slab costs less. Mm. So, so now I got to do a damn crawl space. <laughs> so you're like, thank it. So nonetheless, um, the septic system, they tell you how much you need to do, how many bedrooms you can do based off the plans that I submitted. Also, if you look at my street, there is it's not a paved road. So my structure engineer did my plans and permits for how the houses can sit. Now you have to have what's called a civil engineer come in and tell you how the road can go, the water drainage, the erosion, all the things that we don't care nothing about <laughs> when it comes to a developer, this is what you have to deal with. Yeah. Um, so then there we go again. Now I have to get my civil engineer to come in and tell me where the road can stop and go, what the erosion looks like, and he has to do a permit. Then I go to the county, I submit the erosion permit based off my civil engineer's plans. Got it. They approve it, and then I can start my road to go into my cul-de-sac, then I can start building my houses. So it is a process. It's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of people involved. So it's it from from inception to where you are now, that's taking about a year, right? Yes. Taking me a year. About a year. And by how, how much money have you spent so far? Mm, about four, five thousand dollars. That's it. That's it. Wow. That's it. I yeah, my thought plans, it would have been more. No. Um. It, it sounds like more because so much time you're putting into it. Um, oh, it's the time, not the money. It's the time that sucks because you don't put all this time into it. But no, my plans. When my structure engineer did my plans. It was about twelve hundred dollars. Oh. Um, the stamp then um was another. 1500 give or take. Um, whenever I did my septic stuff to get perk testing done, it's about $300 per per um, per um um subdivided lot. Okay. It's like 900 bucks. No. Now, my civil engineer, he'll probably, he probably going to run up a bag. It's probably going to be a couple thousand to um, work with him. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's it. Oh, so this is doable. Yes. Now I'm gonna tell you how I structured the funding. Oh, let, ooh, wait a minute. This is some good stuff. I love, you know, I love talking about that money. Yeah, this is the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> so um, of course I own the land outright. So this is kind of the cool part. I have so many people calling me wanting to buy my land from me. Because now I'm gonna tell you two ways. I could walk away from it and still make six figures without mm -hmm. even touching the land at this point. Mm -hmm. I can get what's called a developer's fee. I've done all the hard work. You got my structure engineer drawings and stamp drawings that you need. I've done the septic and made sure now it's fully developed. It's no longer raw land. I've subdivided and you have all your easements and plates already drafted. These are ready. You can just come in and get ready to build it and finish it. I can charge what's called a developer fee, $100,000 and give you all of it 
you can come in. Each house is already after repair value is value right at $325,000 a piece. And I haven't even touched the dirt. What? Yeah. So you use your rendered drawings and plans to submit to an appraiser to get your after repair value. So I told you. That's how you get your funding. That's how you get your funding. So I told you, I'm not doing my, I'm not doing site build. It's too expensive. Lumber is too high. I don't give a damn what nobody say. They're not making no money out here. I do not care. <laughs> Unless you're in a subdivision and they're building, like I know uh, Jason, he's built 50, 60 homes in one subdivision. He more than likely is making some pretty good money. Um, so how do you have your houses? How, what are you doing? How do you have your houses built off-site and then brought on? Yeah, so I'm doing modular. So I told you I have to have a crawl space, right? Yes. Well, that's all you need for modular homes, a crawl space. They come in, they set it down. You got to get a crane. So I got to pay for a crane and have someone licensed to do that, correct? Yes. They come in, they set it. My modular homes are going to cost me, I'm not going to say the direct number, but it's going to cost me under 150 grand. Mm -hmm. That means the house is going to come fully done. Cabinets and everything, flooring. Only thing, and then you go, only thing I have to do is tie in my electrical and plumbing. So I don't even have that, the roughing and trimming part. You don't have that. The HVAC does not come. You have to do the roughing and electrical for that. Okay. So that's fine. But think, now think about that. I'm spending 150 give or take, to build houses that are value over three. Girl. So whenever I started talking to my lenders, because I've done this quite a bit, the manufacturer is going to require a 20% deposit based on what it's going to cost for them to do the work, which is right around 150 So they want 20% of that. Most hard money lenders... They like to charge interest based on what you're going to, what they're going to lend you, period. So mm -hmm. all my heart rate lenders, when I approached them, I told them, no, ma'am, no, you're not. Well, I don't think I need you to do because the delivery for them is out in July. So I need them to cover my hard costs, which is the mm -hmm. deposit, all this stuff I paid for permits, and then the cost to make, the hard costs would also be that road. So you pay that, you pay the 20% deposit, you're not going to charge me interest on the full 150 for the whole modular unit because it's going to take four months to get it here. So I need you to hold that interest and only charge me interest on what, in fact, I'm pulling yeah. until it gets on site. I haven't had one to tell me no yet. <laughs> They're going to do it. They're going to do it that way. So you have to know how to approach them because otherwise they're going to do it how they think they can do it to make money. I mm -hmm. had two of them that's not going to charge me interest at all until the house is fully on site. Mm. That's how you do it. Are you pre-selling these? I am. I'm taking deposits. Um, I'm going to start my deposits out at 7500 That's going to help offset a lot of my hard costs to jump into the next septic system. The septic systems by themselves are what's considered to be hard costs too, because that has to be done before you can even touch the house. Septic systems are kind of going a little bit higher. You're, you're in that five to up to 10 grand, depending upon the size. So I'm having people, the buyers, that they come pre-approved, they pay a deposit to help me offset some of that cost for the septic, and we'll start construction on the crawl space ourselves. And they can go ahead and start that. Okay, so is this for, is this for owner-occupied, or is that mm -hmm. how you're going to sell it? Yep. So like people like me that say, hmm, I think I might want to buy one of these, you know? You can, like if an investor want to come in and decide they want to buy the rent it, I'm, I'm having a lot of that. They people want to buy them to rent them. Yeah, I'm because cool. that's 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 where I am. I'm like, ooh, I might want to 
talk to you after this. <laughs> yeah, you having a lot of developers do that. I mean, think about it. If I sell the first one for two seventy five, you come in and you buy it for three hundred thousand. You buy that second one. I mean, you already raised the equity in the next one. So a lot of people are cool. coming in doing cash out refinance and then just moving to the next one. I mean, people are doing that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's that's probably the most orgasmic thing about real estate for me is that you can be as uh, uh, creative as you want as mm -hmm. long as you know what you're doing. That and people, I tell people all the time, when you go into these lenders and you asking them for money, go in with the mindset of, I am giving you my business and I'm going to control how this is going to go. This is control. what I need from you. Can you make it happen? Yes or no. And I haven't had one who hasn't said, yes, I don't want to do it, especially when there's multiple lots. It's money to be made for everybody. Everybody. If you know how to properly structure a deal, everybody can eat. I mean, everybody. I've, but what I've seen in, in real estate is that, number one, a lot of people don't know what they're doing. That's number one. That's the scary part, right? It's very scary. I'm going to say what I'm starting to see, though, that, that makes me nervous is what? I think I made a post the other day when somebody said it on uh, Twitter and I was like, damn, that's so like, that's right. People don't realize how much liability and legality is put into real estate. I think Ooh. because we as investors, we get out here and we post our wins. People just see it as get rich quick. And I tell people all the time, it's all fun and games until you fuck around, and do something to somebody's house or you sell somebody something that literally foundation is cracking and they come back to somebody with real money and sue you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, this is not nothing. Like, people are living in these houses. Right, <laughs> it's right. It's baffling to me that people don't care nothing about what they out here doing. <laughs> no, no. That's so the part. I tell, tell me that, uh, I'm going to know the back, the back story real quick about, <laughs> about the post. I mean, you must have been going back and forth. If you can, I don't know, because y'all might still be in, in legal stuff about the, the the contractor that you had an issue with and i mean you were going hard real hard i think i reached out to you on that yeah you and i talked one night you was like aj i'm like man fuck that no <laughs> I, I mean i've learned that too uh when people think you have money they don't care to do things to you mm -hmm. they feel like oh you'll be all right <laughs> I got a family to feed just like y'all. <laughs> no, I'm not. Like, you can't do things to me and then think, I mean, I'm never, like, there's no, nothing that I'm going to do. Um, but the situation with that house, we got a structure engineer. When I bought the house, I knew there was a foundation issue. So let's start there. It's not like I bought the house and didn't know. I knew. I paid my structure engineer to come out and tell me what to do to make it get back to the point where it needed to be. I provided those plans from my structure engineer to the GC at the time that was working on my jobs. He wasn't on site doing demo. So what ended up happening was they removed the foundation improperly, caused the house to be way more in damage in excess. We went from a $5,000 problem to a $35,000 problem. So much so the county stopped my entire project, made me stop until I had a plan of how I was going to fix it. So everybody knows I buy my home, my, my home's a hard money lending. So as much as I have, as, as, when the clock, every day I'm losing money that is not on the market. Yep. So 
we're going through this process. And at this point, yeah, I'm sure you know, if you renovate houses, anytime you fire somebody else that's on the current job that's gonna give you a bid, and you hire somebody else in the middle of that project, guess what? It's gonna cost you double. Every, it, every it time. Matter, it's gonna cost you more every single time. Yes, indeed. So I knew if I fire him, I was screwed. So I'm like, okay. At that time, I told him, I'm like, listen, I have supplier accounts. Um, this is right before I got my general contractor license. I didn't have them before I fired him. I didn't have them yet. Um, I had a supplier with Sunbelt because I needed an excavator because of what he'd done. Mm-hmm. I was willing to use my supplier account. I just needed him to continue to push forward. Yep. Because your contract is what it is, bro. Finish it. Yep. August 10th, I remember the shit like it was yesterday. <laughs> August 10th, Joker texted me, told me he quit. Took him three weeks to decide that he was going to quit. Even though I took back over my material list, I was buying my own material, even though he was contracted to buy it. I had some belt account that I was going to let him use my excavator. I just needed you to get your team to do it. Because again, at that time, I didn't have my GC license. I didn't have my team fully ready. Um, I always have managed my own trades, though. So I'm an electrical plumber HVAC, regardless of me having my general contractor license or not, I still always manage those. Because if I needed to fire that GC, I didn't lose my whole team. I just lost this damn idiot over here. Exactly. So I'm very intentional about that. So if anybody is listening, if a GC tell you that he wants to manage all of it, don't let him. Because if you have to fire him, you're screwed because he's going to take that whole team with him. So I always did that. So that I wasn't overly concerned about, but hell, I had to get through demo and, and I had to get through demo and framing to get to roughing. So I'm like, okay, great. So he quit. Kid you not. General contractor license was approved that week after. What? I'm not joking. You said you, go you back were and a you look at my license. If you go back and you look at my license, I literally got my license that following week after he quit. Um, I just rebuilt my team. I built my team. I was already talking with a few people because I was in the mix of doing that. I was already talking to subs and vetting people. Me and Gabrielle had literally been to Gaffney, South Carolina two weeks prior to and talked to this guy named David. He is a country uh, white guy. I love him to death though. Um, and I'm like, I don't know about him. He, I don't know if this, this is going to be able to work. That guy came in, finished my job and saved me money. He came in as my sub for my job on that house. Um, I already had a guy named um, my subdivision. Whenever they was perk testing, they needed to do some digging into the ground to test the soil. Yeah. At that time, I had already worked with a guy named, uh, what was his name? Fernando, I believe. I had already worked with him. So the damage they had done to that uh, carport was mason work and, and concrete. He had already mm-hmm. done concrete and mason work on one of my other homes that I had flipped. Call him in. They literally had my shit done in less than a week and a half. David, I had just met him in Gaffney, South Carolina two weeks prior to. This is a real story, I swear to God. Um, he came right in, did the framing, resupported my house, and got me back on track. We started roughing, framing. I literally had that happen to me. I lost $30,000 in two weeks. I had that happen to me. I bought the house in July. My GC quit in August. My house was fully renovated and ready to go and placed on the market in October. I just sold it and I sold it and closed it before Christmas this last year. 
How much you make off of it? $53,000. Okay. Not bad. I, I mean, all in, I lost... We, I mean, the time that I lost, I mean, technically, I made 35000 Okay. So the bottom line, thirty-five dollars Still not bad. They go through no. all that bullshit, and then less than yeah. six months, still pay my hard money lender off and get up off in the butt of the house and out. So that's not yeah. bad. No, it's not bad at all. But I, that was, a, that was a, a trying time for you. I know that that was a difficult time for you. I saw that. Yeah, because you know the thing, too. People think when you become a licensed general contractor, you just become one. No, you got to get all those insurances and business licenses that come with it. I mean, just mm -hmm. the insurance alone was thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yes, yes. It sucked, but it worked out. For It worked out in the long run. Now I control my costs. So, so where are you, where, what are you doing like right now? Meaning, are you, cause I, I thought I saw somewhere where you, you, you're going to start teaching people this year how to do what you do. Uh -huh. I do consulting. Um, okay. I do consulting and we also are kicking back up our classes to where we're teaching, um, students how to get from beginning to end. Uh, believe it or not, the, the flipping business, 80% of the people that buy houses to flip don't finish them. Mm. And so we're wanting to get to a place where we're coaching people through a flip from beginning to end. Okay. No matter what goes on in between there, you get to the end. You got to um, keep going. So, um, so the consulting pieces, that allows me to find a property for you, teach you how to syndicate the house, and meaning the funding, the LLC. Um, we take you through the renovation process. I list it with my firm. You close it, and you're gaining that experience on HUD. And you also were able to learn throughout the investor process of how to renovate a house. So we've started that. And that has been crazy because a lot of people got into the consulting program with me and now they're on rotation. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, wait, now I got to, I mean, you have so many people. Now I have people on the list. Okay. When the house come in, if you meet the qualifications to buy it, you buy it, we close. And then they're coming in and they're doing it. So it's been really okay. cool. You got so you got a lot of people coming in and they're coming like South Carolina, Georgia, um, California couple. Um, they did one and I sold that one off market. I sold it before we even finished it. So oh, wow. Really yeah. So it's been really fun. So how can, like, what's the criteria for somebody, for you to work with somebody? Um, really, uh, I'm kind of changing the criteria a little bit because I'm noticing people want to flip, but they are completely oblivious to real estate. So I'm making people do calls with me like this. Okay. Um, I, rec I record them um, to make sure legally because I, I, it's a mess. Uh, people all of a sudden forget what the hell they told you as you're going through the process. If you do not have liquidity of $25,000, $30,000, I can't do it. Um, people really believe that an estimate, mean, an estimate for a budget meaning it's estimated, meaning it could go up. It could go up, it could go down. <laughs> if I demo a house, I can't see behind the wall when I'm just walking it. So if something goes wrong and you have a $5,000 problem, hard money lenders are not going to give you no more, no less than what they funded that deal on. So mm -hmm. guess what? That money has to come out of your pocket. Mm -hmm. So just making sure they understand these are things that can come up. I can't predict every damn thing. Uh, making sure your credit score is at least a 650 or higher. I prefer it be a 700 or you know mm -hmm. someone that does have a 700. Because if it doesn't sell, you have to have another exit. What is exiting? Now you got to refinance this joker, get out of this hard money loan, either put a tenant in it or keep it on the market to where you can sell it. 
if your credit score drops, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. So you have to be savvy and 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 patient enough <laughs> to refinance to get into the exit because just because the market today allows you to sell it does not mean what it's going to be tomorrow. Um, so sure. just making sure people understand that. Um, so I'm very touchy on consulting clients now. Um, if you want to get into my market and invest and buy them, free game, get on my list. Um, but I'm not taking on a whole bunch of consulting clients unless for sure you understand what you're getting yourself into. Because people sure. so how can, do not understand it. Right, right, right. So how can people how can people um, get on your list um, to work with you? Uh, you can you can actually send me an email to Ashley at experiencecapitalllc.com. Send me an email. I'm going to put that below. Yep. Send me an email. I'll put you on my list. Okay. Um, do you have a website? I do not. Look at that. Girl out here making millions of dollars. They ain't even got a website. You ain't got to have one, though. <laughs> you got receipts. Yeah, I got, yes, I do have receipts. <laughs> you know, though, um, you know, I was uh, in um, Richmond, Virginia last week. And I said, my, I need to go back down to the basics because I'm really ignorant out here. I went all the way to Richmond, Virginia. You know, I didn't come with a card. And then people were cards. I didn't have any cards either. And uh, my ex-wife was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, now all of a sudden, you're making a little money. Now you forget that these are common things you need to have. So I but can't you know what home. my mentor told me? What? My mentor told me business cards are for lazy people. What made her say that? He said because when you when you give somebody a business card, you're putting it, you're putting them contacting you in their hands, right? That's true. So so guess what you do with business cards? I know what I do with business cards. I throw them in a bag and put them on my desk, and I don't think about them. You know? Okay. So what does that mean? If I need, let's say for instance, I met you. Me and you met at you know, a seminar or something. You give me your business card. I give you mine. Guess what? A hundred other people gave me their cards. I, I can't remember. I can't remember anything. But if if me and you meet and I say, hey, look, what's your phone number? And I put you in and I put Ashley, North Carolina, uh, developer or whatever. And I put you in, lock you in my phone like that. Guess what? You gonna remember. I'm gonna remember. Now I do do that. Um, even when I go to events, um, I don't never, I, in, in my mentor, she's like, you need to quit that shit. What um, you do? I give them my number. They can text me and you can say, yeah. you can say I don't care. But, um, her thing is you need to be able to scale enough to where nobody can, nobody should be able to immediately reach me. I should have. Oh, no, 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 no. Back it up. Let me say this. Okay. I have, I have a, a sideline. Okay. So when I lock you in, you're locked in, but I give you my sideline number. So when you text or when you call, it's going to go to my sideline. That's going to, that means that you're not, we, we, we don't know each other like that yet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's be clear. Okay. So you, you're giving them a number. Just get you another, it's an app. It's called sideline. Just get, download the app and you'll have another number. And that's the number you give out to people who you meet and you can categorize them. Okay. You know, these are my builders, blah, 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 blah. And then when they text you or whatever, you know, you'll know who it is. Y'all start doing business together. You slide them on over to your personal side. Have you scaled up to that point where you have an assistant? Girl, yeah. 
I ain't done it yet. Oh, come on. Come come on, girl. Right. I, gotta, uh, I literally... I have a transactional coordinator, but I haven't hired an assistant yet. Like a personal assistant, you need one. Your whole life will change. Tell me what you had your personal assistant do. I had my... Well, it ain't what I have her do. I thought that's what it was about. Oh, I'm going to have her do this or do that. No, she <laughs> came in and said, hey, this is what I'm going to do for you. So what, what happened was when she came, came to me, we sat down and I said, look, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a horrible boss, horrible. I had a personal assistant for 10 years before when I, when I did hair, I had a personal assistant for 10 years. I didn't tell her what to do. She saw the things that I wasn't good at, things that I didn't like doing and she did them. So <laughs> I don't know how to boss people around. I just, and I told her, I said, I don't have a job description. She said, I don't need one. She said, all I need to do is just look at how you run your day, how your day goes, how you interact with people. And I got it. So what she did was she just started coming on to my, my meetings. You know, she just attended all my meetings, you know, with my clients, my inner circle, my mastermind group, you know, my, my five day challenges. She would just sit there and she would pick out. Oh, okay. So she don't like to do this. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, she don't like planning because I hate planning. So she took my calendar from me, took it from me. She said, I got it. I don't know any of this. Like people think I'm, I'm so super smart and so organized. You know, I always, I've always been organized, but I was working too much. And so what she did was she was like, oh no. So now like my husband, she even gave my husband access to my calendar. She was like, you can plan y'all's trips around what she got going on that makes sense you get what i'm saying so it's, it's what people real they, what they don't realize is i don't know what to delegate i don't know what to da, 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 da. first things first let them just come into your world and a good assistant will will pick out oh okay she don't like to do this i got it oh okay too many people are reaching out to her so I'm going to start responding to them. Like, I never said, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? She would always say, oh, no, I got this. I got that. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't. Mm -mm. I'll take care of that. And did it. So now I sit around. I ain't going to lie. You know, I love doing these podcasts. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I ain't going to lie. This is how you know you you're where you know need to be when you can take your hands off of things that don't belong to you and pay somebody else to take care of yeah so you can do the things that you love and that was it i didn't care about how much it's gonna cost me because guess what that allows me to be better at what i'm good at i can be better at it and that way i, I make more money because see she's taking care of all, all that the to-do stuff that I ain't got no business doing anyway. You can't be no seven-figure person working on getting eight figures and you out here, everybody calling you, you emailing everybody back, you know, everybody in your DM, you responding back. People be in my DM, they think that be me. They ain't me. I ain't got time. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, you, you, you got my number. We text each other, but, you know, people in my DM, mm -mm. very rare do I touch my DM. I think, um, Becoming an entrepreneur, and this is just me being a little vulnerable, but I think me becoming an entrepreneur has taught me my character flaws. 
Um, oh, for sure, for sure, for like, sure. Control. I have learned. Okay, whew, if you don't quit, you gonna run yourself for the damn grave at thirty four. And I'm just like, okay, I gotta back up because my mother had her first heart attack when she was thirty six. I just turned thirty four. So I'm like, okay, I gotta back up. And some of this stuff I have, um, allowing Gabrielle to step in and me not intervene or Christy doing the financial pieces and me not intervening and just coaching them through that and being okay. Um, Cause I struggle with that so much. And even now in my firm, I'm like, okay, if I don't have a transactional coordinator and I'm licensed in three states, I'm bound to have something go wrong. And it's, it's either gonna cost me legally or it's gonna cost me more clients. So how are you moving? So I had to learn that part. The assistant part, I know I need simply because of the fact I know I'll have more money if I had an assistant. Oh, let me tell you something. Your business will scale so, oh my God. And, and because you have systems in place, it's, it's going to make it really, really easy for an assistant to come in. Even though you have systems in place, because I did, there's still holes in your system. That makes you sense. Get what I'm saying? It, yep. it, there's still going to be some holes and there's going to be opportunities for an assistant to, to carve out time for you to, to shave off that time where I'm, I'm being honest. I wake up in the morning. Like my routine is like, I mean, I, I feel like I'm in heaven. You know, if, if heaven is better than this, then whoa, you know, <laughs> I, I do. I wake, I do what I want when I want. How I, want. I don't have to worry about anything, you know, and, the, and it puts a, a layer of, of, protection between or a barrier between just folks just all at you you know all kinds of ways because she stepped in the middle of that thing like some stuff a lot of stuff happened and people try to reach out to me with, with bs i don't even know about it. yeah i know that happens quite, i'm sure it happens quite a bit on gabrielle's end and she doesn't tell me i exactly. have to come all the way to the surface and she's like oh shit i tried to stop before it got there <laughs> I'm like, well, I know now. So let's go ahead and deal with the shit that's going on. <laughs> but yeah. I know she stops a lot of the nonsense. And I know Christy, I'm sure, stops a lot of the financial things that I don't know about. Right. Um, but now I'm just like, okay, I got to get somebody to come in between just my day-to-day -day stuff. Personal um, stuff. Yeah, right. Day-to-day -day personal stuff that you really don't need. You need it off your plate. I'm telling you, you you're going to look at, the world's going to look different for you. Yeah, I'm told that all the time, so I know I need to do it. You could do it. You could do it. I ain't gonna hold you up because we're gonna, you know, we we could talk forever. I just want, I just want you to say one thing. I want you to speak to the person who wants to get into developing. They want to get into that creative side of real estate, um, but they just don't know what to do. I want you to speak to that person before we go. Um. What would I tell myself a year or two ago? Um, I think some of the smartest things I've done was I'm I'm gonna name a few things, and I'm, I'm not gonna I don't want to I don't want to be on here talking all day. I know you got okay. other stuff to do, too. <laughs> and I know you. I don't want to take up too much of your time because I'm enjoying this. It's really dope. I feel comfortable. Um, yeah. hire an accountant. Hire a business attorney. Hire a real estate attorney. A real estate attorney and a business attorney are two totally different things. Hire an accountant because you're going to make more money and you're going to have to have someone who understands how to move your money and help you make it. 
when you hire an accountant, hire someone that understands developing, understands that you're going to have a number of LLCs because I tell people all the time, never buy several houses under one LLC. I don't. I spread them out. And one of my subs fall today up under Experience Capital 2 LLC. He can't sue me for my subdivision that's owned by Experience Capital 1 LLC. You can only hold litigation of that one. Mm -hmm. um, your attorney will teach you how to structure that, your business attorney. Your attorney needs to understand 1031 tax exchanges, understand tax credits for real estate developers. If they do not understand how to get you um, 1031 tax exchange intermediaries, don't work with them. You need somebody who's very fluid in investing. So make sure you have someone that understands that. Start building these relationships now. That way you don't have to back up and pivot when something goes wrong. And it ain't if you're going to get sued, it's when. Somebody's definitely going to test your ass. <laughs> and it's just going to happen. Um, make sure that when you step into real estate investing and you're working with an accountant, um, pay yourself a salary that makes sense. Meaning... I see so many people in groups that are like, I need 10, 15 grand a month to live. First of them all, if you need that much to live, just regular something's wrong. And I say that all the time, like, what the hell? Like, what were you making? What can you live on comfortably every month to pay your living expenses? Because all my credit card debt, all this stuff, I paid off. I don't have any of that. Um, don't go out here buying fancy cars. Yeah, I, I mean, cool, do it, do you. But I take my time with my stuff. I don't like a lot of um, monthly expenses. So I pay myself a salary. I tell people, on, so I say it on social media, $4,500 a month is what I pay myself. That's it. That's oh, all I wow. need. Oh, wow. You rich then because I don't pay myself that much. I'm going to tell you. I pay myself $4,500 a month. Tasha McCrave was so poor last year. The government said, honey, we feel this bad for you. Here's a $7,000 stimulus check. <laughs> Yeah, and, but I kept my salary that way um, because that's what I was making um, in social work. So I kept right. it that way. I yeah. didn't. I, so all my expenses are paid off monthly. I don't have a lot, so I kept I kept it that way. I didn't change it. Um, and also too, because what you shouldn't be doing is every time a check comes in, you spend all of it. Because how you gonna pay that attorney or retainer when somebody sue you? How are you gonna deal with litigation? So you have to make sure that you're doing it the right way. Structure it well to where you're not spending every single dime that come in. Otherwise, it's not a business, it's a side hustle. Don't. <laughs> I mean, it makes no sense. We're going to so talk about that you, next time we on a podcast. <laughs> I encourage you to do that. Two, if you want to get into syndication, I definitely encourage you to attend um, your local real estate investor association meetings. I think that is important. You're going to meet investors one. They're going to teach you syndication where hard money is and private investors because you need to know the difference. I encourage you to get your real estate license. I know I'm probably, I know some people are like, no, that's crazy because becoming a real estate agent don't teach you investing. It does not. But it does teach you how to deal and go through a transaction. If I wasn't a realtor, I wouldn't know that the health department is where I pull my septic system permits to know what a house should have. How many bedrooms, how many baths? But it, so it teaches you a lot of different things that investors don't know. <laughs> so you need to, if I encourage that, to get your real estate license, take the class, learn it, um, pay attention. And I mean, who knew? Like in New York, you they sell area rights. Who the hell knew that? They sell that shit. Oh, what the hell? They sell an area out here? <laughs> I, like what? <laughs> what they do? They charge per square foot to build up. You wouldn't know that if you weren't in real estate as a real estate agent. You will right. not know that the everyday person doesn't know that, that planes can only fly so high over your home. Right. Um, so things like that. I definitely encourage you to do that because you, you, when you're dealing with real estate investors, they have money. 
So if you do something wrong to them, they're not going to be happy. And you generally do not learn those things unless you get into the business and you really learn the business, which sometimes it takes you time to do. Don't rush it. This is not an instant gratification business. So if you need to work at W-2, do it. Do both. There you have it. Thank you so much for, for having this conversation with me. Thank you, too. I appreciate it. You made me feel really comfortable. Thank you. Aw. All right, y'all. There you have it. Um, this is T Mac. See you on the next episode. Bye bye. Hey, hey, hey. Don't forget to follow me if you're not on all platforms at T Mac underscore inspired. All right. See you on the next episode. Bye. <laughs>